Brett is such bright light. What we do in therapy is nothing compared to what me and Brett did today. Thank you, Brett. In an age of comparison and living in an uncertain world, I'm here to take you on a journey of self-empowerment by showing you what I do on a regular basis to free myself and sharing with you the teachers and the insights so you can be free as well and live a life that is truly unleashed before you die. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Super pumped to have you here. We have an amazing guest today, Peter, who's all about men's work as I am. And as you guys know, there is tremendous power in cultivating relationship with men. And there's a, a, a collective masculine wound in our society. And I know I grew up with very unhealthy masculinity around me to, to make it super general and broad. And my hope today is that our amazing guest is going to help us learn how to connect with the masculine in a healthy way and the power of it, not to mention other ways to release unhealed trauma as well. So, Peter, welcome to the show and thank you for being here, bro. Aloha, brother. Um, Brett, brother, I'd like to start with a few breaths. Is that okay with you? Love it. Yeah. Just to sync up. Do I have your consent? Yes, you do. All right. Let's bring the hands together. Just warming yourself up, sending that energy, that chi, that mana into your palms. Feel cool. You can shut down the eyes. However it looks like to drop into your body, I like to roll my shoulders and my neck, even make that sound, shake my legs, breathing <laughs> through the nose, out through the mouth and keep your hands still, bring it to your heart, just feel your heart pumping, blood gushing, oxygenating, mm, clarifying, cleansing, connecting with clarity. We'll breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth three times, beginning in three, two, one. Anneli. Skillamaka. Anneli. Skillamaka. Last one we hold at the top for seven seconds. Anneli. Push your palms out to the screen. Send your energy outward. And on that last inhale, bring it back to your body. Connecting that energy to the ground. And on the last inhale, push up to the sky. Mother to the Father. Bridging. Wonderful brother, we can open our eyes. Hey, thank you for that. Woo! Damn, I love the body. Thank you. Mm, mm. The body is the shit. The body guides us. The body gives us incredible sensations. Thank you, brother. Mm. Let's uh, let's start with let's start with your story first, because that's an important part of why people are going to listen to you right now and why people are going to mm. trust you with what you're going to share is the, that that resonance with with um, what you've been through. So mm. um, is it okay to start with that? It is. Um, so, Peter Eugen Bennett. Uh, Peter means rock, Eugene means of noble birth, and Bennett means blessed. So I'm a noble, <laughs> blessed rock. <laughs> and um, to put it into uh, headlines, I guess, 
bullet points. Um, I'm of the Abyssinian Romo tribe on my mother's side. Uh, that's modern day Ethiopia. Although we have family that came through the Sahara, um, teaching literacy, the Quran. So I've got Islam on my mother's side. And my father is born in British Guyana, uh, South America, although they identify more as Caribbean. And that bloodline has Caribbean elements, Iraq most likely, um, as well as Brazilian. Uh, and his mother, my grandmother, is from Lancashire, which is in the north of England. And that has Celtic, Scottish and Irish heritage. So that's my genetic makeup. Wow, that, 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 that's super cool, bro. And like, um, and I don't know that much about my genetic makeup compared to the description I just heard from you. So I'm curious, what's the value in learning about that? What, what has it given you to learn about your heritage? Mm. Well, for me, um, part of my purpose on this planet is to be a steward um, as well as being sovereign. So um, being a steward means being able to tend to this land, to tread lightly, to hold in reverence and honour and respect the natural cycles. Um, I feel very much like nature is a reflection or an inflection of human nature. Uh, I always say the inner work transforms the outer world. So what my ancestry has given me is a connection to the land in ways that give it context, give it meaning. So to know of my heritage, to know of my bloodline gives me a direct link back to those who came before, who um, I'm showing up with their gifts. Uh, I'm showing up with their blessings. Um, I'm just a vehicle, a vessel for life to flow through and to give as much as I receive to be a servant. Yeah, interesting. I I'm, I'm curious, was there a time when you weren't this sovereign steward when you didn't feel connected to your purpose when you mm. felt disoriented or confused yeah as i'm sure many who are listening can relate um i spent a lot of my life in my head disembodied unable yes. to feel what that heritage what that ancestry what that human birthright is of the heart of the gut of these hands and these feet um, and I spent many years, particularly as a young teen, um, as a result of family trauma, as a result of um, my own ancestral trauma, as a result of society, the conditioning, the programming, um, yeah. ultimately living from here. So yeah. caught up in my own world, in my own stories, in the monkey mind, that I just was disconnected from myself and others. Yeah, yeah. And what suffering does it cause when you're disconnected from yourself and others? Well, I would say it shows up as mental health challenges. Uh, it can show up in physical health challenges and it can show up in spiritual health challenges, right? My system's all about self-inquiry, self-care and self-love. So when I was in the grips of what I call the dark night of the soul um, or my, soul, um, my re Saturn returns, so from my 16-year-old, <laughs> 20-year-old, sort of early 30s, um, I was disconnected, bro. I was anxious, uh, had social anxiety, uh, hated myself, did self-harm, right? drank alcohol, did drugs, womanizing, just numbing, numbing, disassociating, retreating from the world in my hermitude uh, and used substances as a way to um, feel again, to feel. Yeah. Simple as that. Mm. Yeah, we've definitely lost this, this ability to feel, I've noticed. Mm. And... Um, 
I'd like to dive into some of the reasons for that because I think if we can isolate the reasons for why we're disconnected, we've just empowered ourselves to change that. Mm. And um, I've been studying Susan McConnell's work. Do you know Susan? Um, she's a good friend of mine now. I mean, I recognize the name. Okay. <laughs> but... I was like, damn, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say something quickly now. Um, I've taught myself not to say no. Uh, I feel like it's a block. It's like an energetic um, uh, force field. So when someone says something, I'm like, not quite, you know, I, I tend to say, um, recognize the name. I've yet to do that. Um, yes. maybe one day right as opposed to giving a complete no so because it closes that possibility off is that what you're saying exactly yeah. exactly and the quantum field is infinite infinite potential but yeah yeah i I, I, lo- I love that i think there's a lot of power in that keeping yourself open <laughs> but anyway susan mcconnell your potential best friend potentially in the quantum potentially field, yeah out there in the quantum hmm. well i was reading some of her work this morning and she was talking about our our um our, our, our phylogenic and ontogenic movement patterns basically the movement patterns when we're in the womb and our evolutionary impulses to move. And as as we develop, we're learning to first yield, which is basically like surrender. Then we learn to push off and set our own boundaries. Then we learn to reach, grasp, and then pull. And when at any point in either of these phases of development, when there's stunted growth or imbalanced growth or a lot of conflict or stress in the home, and we can't develop our motor function in the way that it, nature intended I'll, I'll, I'll say that to, to make a general then we also develop social and cognitive blocks mm. and to tap back into our five basic forms of movement the ones i just described we can actually unfree some of the trauma that's stored and we can also learn to we, we learn what our body's true needs are we learn like there's so much think about what grasping is like it's like like grasping or reaching stretching maybe oh i overreach or stretch too far maybe i don't know how to pull back and receive and pull something towards me and manifest you know there's so many links between how our physiology affects our mental i just like to dive into the somatic work for a second i uh, i know you're very big into that and so i'd love to, to touch on let's start with your method your flavor that you give somatic work in and mm-hmm. and why it's powerful and and let's end with some ways that men can begin to to remake that connection Ooh, that sent shockwaves through my body. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, that's part of my somatic training is to be in tune uh, with the sensations in the body. And for me, that began with Vipassana meditation. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. I did my first retreat about a month ago. Anicca, Anicca. <laughs> uh, impermanence yeah well I, I have that i have a nietzsche in my nightmares bro hearing <laughs> a thousand times a day i'm just ready to go <laughs> strong determination i won't move i won't move um so yeah vipassana is really powerful bro um i did that uh five years ago i've sat twice i've served three times i'm in the process of booking my third uh sitting in ethiopia uh, my motherland um at some point this first half of the year um, and so, yeah, that was my first port call. It was through meditation, through breath. That's how it begins, right? Um, the idea of the sensation of breath on the nostrils. Is it going down one nostril into your lungs? Is your lungs expanding? Is your belly, de- you know? So so, so plotting and, and tracking breath is such a beautiful way just to quieten the mind and bring focus on the body. Um, and everyone does it, right? We all breathe. If we didn't, we would die. So there's something about the breath of life that feels like the first step on this journey um, to embodiment. 
um, a lot of very somatic as well, because I very much believe when I was doing Vipassana, they talk about um, the storing of trauma. They don't use those exact terms, but ultimately the, the embedded, the imprinted um, emotions, experiences, memories in the body, um, and through Vipassana, through really focusing on the sensations in the body, scanning these gross sensations, places of pain, for example, or the subtle sensations, these kind of little um, sparks, little uh, fireflies in, in and on the skin and within, um, I started to like lift up these, um, these wounds um, to the surface. Um, and so, yeah, I'd always recommend a really strong meditation practice because embodiment isn't just about <clears throat> feeling the body it's about kind of being able to submerse the mind in something greater than itself uh, the mind for me is just a um uh i could say like a prison and the light shines through it and expands mm, interesting could you dive a bit deeper into that for me because i'm not quite mm. sure i understand what, what that last part meant for sure so um to bring it back to embodiment right the um, idea of um, being here present in the body is feeling, acknowledging emotions, right? Being able to um, flow with the energy of the body. Um, you know, I could call it masculine, feminine, prana, um, mana, chi, where prana is breath, but it's connected. Um, and so the mind for me, when quieted and focused, is like this laser point attention, this 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 arrowhead that pierces through um, consciousness or the conscious experience, the self, the I am. And so, the more in tune my mind can be with my body, aligned, uh, the more that I channel, the clearer I am to vibrate at the frequency of life. Um, I liken the body to a tuning fork, right? Yeah. And when I've been low vibration, dense, eating junk food. Um, consuming junk content, just being unconscious, sleeping badly, all the things, um, I wasn't able to oscillate. I wasn't able to, to, to vibrate at those higher frequencies. I was stuck in this lower dimension. And the more I cleared my act up, <laughs> the more I've been aligned yeah. and on track in purpose, yeah. a man of integrity, the more I vibrate, the clearer that signal is. And that's what I mean. Like the prism of the mind is in. You ever seen that um, Pink Floyd album with the triangle? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know the and one. The, the light shines through it. So for me, like the expression of life, the things out there, the, the three, four, five D reality is like those lights, um, uh, the spectrum, the rainbow, right? The seven chakras that expand out of the prison of the mind, the third eye. God, I'm getting quite. <laughs> getting quite <laughs> but that third eye is that prism <laughs> and that shining light that white pure light is um essence it's source creator life force yes yeah i mean that definitely makes more sense to me now and thank you for asking yeah yeah um and you know i just i i'm feeling that I, I mean, I, I get i get fired up sometimes sometimes it turns into anger when i think mm -hmm. about our education system and when I'm hearing you speak, I'm like, okay, didn't learn this, didn't learn that, didn't learn that. And um, I'm not sure how helpful this anger is, <laughs> but I, I I feel it sometimes. And I, I I wonder for you, what are some of the key things that you learned that you did not learn in the education system that you were brought up in? Were you brought up in a normal sort of education system? 
more or less um yeah my... but by the way real quick yeah. you do seem like the kind of guy who's potentially brought up in like some cool esoteric education uh... system. <laughs> i could definitely see that being the case well, as well you know it, it's interesting that you say that you know in my story i tend to talk of my upbringing um i was born in london in hammersmith yeah i uh, lived in olympia which is in west london for the first two years and then moved to bangladesh my father uh, was a civil engineer before he retired which brought him to different parts of the world uh, focusing on irrigation, basically working with the people, the locals to upgrade and update um, their irrigation systems. And in Bangladesh, he was working on monsoon protection, flood protection, because it rains a lot. Um, and then like farmlands get washed away, villages, and he was helping in that kind of um, philanthropic uh, way. Um, so yeah, I was born in, I was born here in London. So I have that London kind of streetwise, um, but also the education of schooling and the, the old Victorian system of you call us sir or madam, you never use our first name. Um, children are to be seen, not heard, just in these worker bees in our little cubicles with our desk, uh, which I think is what you're speaking to in some ways about the education system. Yeah. Uh, it's built to kind of suppress as opposed to express, right? For us to really find our, tr our, our voices. Um, but having been in Bangladesh and traveling around Asia as a young child, I picked up on things. When I was in India, I was very drawn to Hinduism. I had statues of Krishna, of Ganesha. Um, I got all these comic books about all the stories of the gods. It was like superheroes, but they were connected to spirituality and really empowering um, yeah, narratives. So to answer your question, my education was definitely typical to some degree. Um, however, like I had the privilege, the opportunity to see the world as a young child. And that gave yeah. me a different kind of um, uh, perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's so valuable to, to be able to see the world at, the, at that young of an age. And, and for me, when I think about the education system, what I think about is in relation to what you do, you're huge into men's work. Your Instagram handle, for anyone who wants to check him out, is Peter Men's Work Coach. Is that right? It's men's work coach. Oh, yeah. just just men's work coach, not even just Peter. men's work coach. Yeah. You oh, you're the, the one that got the handle. <laughs> oh yeah, bro. I was quick off the draw. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I've I've messaged people to get um my real name as a handle. I found the guy who mm. has my like my name Brett Bailey, and mm. uh, he wouldn't give it to me. So um, it's awesome that you, that you got the handle. But yeah. what I'm asking is the relationship father to son, and how to relate in a healthy way with our peers at school. Uh, I'm not sure about you. For me, I experienced a lot of, um, I guess, like intense competition. I experienced bullying. I was a bully at times as well. Um, I My relationship with my sexuality held a lot of shame because it wasn't talked about in my family. In fact, it was hidden and shamed. And so me and my friends kind of like explored our sexuality in some ways together when we were like 11, 12, just we, in a group of boys. And so I'd like to know from you, what, what are some of the changes you'd like to see in our culture around how boys grow up? Mm, great question. And thank you for sharing uh, some of your story. And I very much relate and resonate with that idea of uh, boys exploring, um, not just sexuality, but um, the world and, especially as someone who went to boarding school. I actually grew up from the age of nine to last 18 uh, in a mixed school, so girls and boys, but we would live in houses, all boys. 
uh, in a place called Glastonbury, which is um, one of the spiritual epicenters of, of England, of the UK, of Europe, actually. Um, and to answer your question, I believe in rites of passage. Um, mm. We as kids had them, but these weren't your indigenous wisdom traditions, the old ways, the ways of the ancestors, I feel are so raw and primal and like tap into archetypes, something deep within the human psyche that uh, transcends time and space. Um, we had like hazing, things of like older kids making us do things like standing on the cupboards at night if we were noisy and holding books in our hands. And anytime they would drop, they'd like bash us or they'd use cars to like hit our knuckles or we'd have to sit on the bus carrying their books and things like that. Um, yeah. No, what I say is go into nature learn how to build a fire, learn how to survive, right? Um, find the water source, acknowledge that we are a part of the cycle. So in winter, you know, what is it that we do? We retreat, we hibernate, you know, be, be in tune internally and externally with um, the seasons. And, and um, so, yeah, I can tell you a little story if it's uh, got enough yeah. time around. I haven't really said this on the podcast yet, but I tend to tell people a lot. Um, so <laughs> my, my rite of passage, right, despite all the hazing, like I never bought into that. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't bothered about people doing that as a, as a young kid because I had like a bit more like um, self-worth, self-esteem. I wouldn't let it get to me and I tended to say no. Um, but when I was young, maybe about like seven, my mum let me out of her sight for the first time because she was driving in park and it was one of my after-school treats. I was allowed to get a McDonald's. So mm. the first time I left my mother's side, I went into a restaurant, a store. Um, I handed money to a cashier who was in McDonald's. He gave me this magical, happy meal. Ah, you know, it's like finding um, the Ark of the Covenant or like <laughs> the elixir, the fountain of life, right? Like true initiation, but um, the golden arches. So, you know, that was one thing. Then it was like a bowl of merch, which had one of McDonald, like cheese. Every time I finished my meal, it was like another bit of like brain um washing or mind control um, and then i upgraded from the happy meals the extra value meal and i was like oh yeah i'm a man now you know so now <laughs> even in my 30s i find in times of comfort when i'm feeling sensitive i'm feeling wounded i retreat to my cave uh, that comfort food that junk food of mcdonald's is something that like i reach for because it gives me that nostalgia that warm hug um that when i'm feeling really like challenged and on edge um i i shy away from so um that has been one of my rites of passage and i'm acknowledging and aware of that now and i'm rewriting that narrative so that not to hate or shame or feel guilty but to love that inner child that found mcdonald's um a way to kind of escape the world for a little bit wow what a powerful association what a powerful association. Like, um, I laugh when you said you felt like more manly when you went to the value meal, but I, I also felt some truth in that as well of like, you know, I can eat more now. And um, I had an eating disorder for a good two or two, three years. And that was my biggest source of pain when I was about 16 years old. And I just, I, I wanted, I was, cause I was chubby as a kid. And, and I was like, if I could just get a six pack like Zac Efron, all my problems will go away. I'll feel better about myself. I'll get girls. And so that's what I, I focus on obsessively to the point where I would binge on food and then I would make myself throw up mm. because I felt like I, I couldn't have that. I, it was, I was going to get fat again. Mm. And so I, I developed this association, I think with the comfort food of salty food, more masculine, where 
I learned from my therapist at the time, the sweet foods are more feminine because mm. I was craving my dad's love. Mm. And I didn't know that at the time, but I had this association with food that when I did see my dad, I saw my dad maybe, maybe like once or twice a year from age six to 19. And every time I would see him, we would just eat, we would eat lots of junk food every time. And that was kind of like my connection. And so it's so interesting for me to look back on that and realize, because at the time I was like, why am I doing this? I felt so low in willpower. I was judging Mm -hmm. myself so much. Mm -hmm. I was like, why can't I just eat healthy? It just not put that in my mouth. Why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. But there was this super strong emotional pull to do that. And as soon as I realized that it was like you're saying for you, a rite of passage for me, a way to connect with my dad, mm-hmm. compassion was pretty easy. And that was mm-hmm. actually when the, the whole process started to change for me. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important that we learn the deep reasons why we do things, because mm-hmm. especially when we judge ourselves for something, because everything we judge ourselves for, I guarantee you and that we can't stop. I guarantee you it's a protective behavior. Some part of the intention of that thing is there to protect you. And as soon as you can realize that compassion becomes natural with compassion and acceptance comes healing. Yeah. You know, beautifully put brother. It it, it reminds me actually, um, ultimately rites of passage for me are about a man becoming a boy, a girl becoming a woman, right? Like stepping into a new chapter. Um, It could even go from like adulthood to elder shit right um and with that comes new levels of responsibility uh and as i alluded to at the beginning around sovereignty and stewardship you know those two are initiations and when i fell into being sovereign acknowledging that my body is a temple that i am a king this is my kingdom i tend to my people and i serve my people my planet uh, the less I've been driven by those unhealthy life choices because mm. I acknowledge and I recognize the impact, right? And then mm. it goes into stewardship and suddenly you're like, wow, like these aren't just bad for me, they're bad for like the planet. The idea of all the resources that go into making a burger, for example, right? Um, and so it then becomes a deeper embodiment of these principles. And so it's not just about, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat healthy. It's like, you know, even the idea of eating, being in reverence, blessing the food, being grateful for another day. Right. Like that's how I feel my life is transforming into in this new rite of passage for me is life is a ceremony. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's, um, it brings so much more depth to the behavior when you realize everything that goes into making it. It's not just, there's a burger on my plate and I'm so excited to eat it. <laughs> it becomes, holy shit, there was a farmer there. There was all this production. There were, you know, hormones and there was people involved and people are getting paid to put it together. And like, I'm a big believer now that where we put our money is like our vote for the kind of world we want to live in, you know, because money is what runs the world in many ways. And where we put our money is usually what grows yeah energy the exchange of resources um yeah i mean i can speak to that a little bit if that's okay yeah um i agree and you know i was having a conversation today with my cousin around um well-being yeah and how that's such a uh like a hot topic like a hip life choice right like (laughs) yeah uh, a yoga teacher training and not speaking or judging on anyone at all. Like it's beautiful that this has now become mainstream. Um, and yet like, where's that money going? How's that being invested in? Who's got access 
to these modalities. And so as a melanated brother, um, someone who's acknowledging more and more my ancestry and my responsibility uh, as a community leader, it's like, how can I get well-being into areas of the world that don't have access to these things? Because the right of passage in many places is like top dollar, right? Like who has the money to give you this experience to take it to the next level? Um, and I believe that everyone should have access to those um, tools. Um, yes. So, you know, part of my next chapter, this transformation, this transmutation, this, um, yeah, I'll just call it that, um, is, uh, yeah, bringing those tools to the world at large. I love that, brother. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. There's um, even simply like um, once a week going in and teaching um, um, people that are at safe injection sites or homeless shelters, teaching them simple I internal work tools can be powerful. Or, um, I mean, the, the work that, that Sacred Sons is doing, I believe you're connected with them, correct? Sacred Sons, you work with them? Yeah, yeah I do a few things with them. Yeah, yeah. Sacred Sons is doing very incredible work as well with um, creating, like changing um, society. It's more than just coaching it's a movement that that they've, that they've created there and it's um it's beautiful to watch and i'd like to touch back into the into the power of brotherhood mm. and some of the some of the in, in, intangible effects of brotherhood I, mm. i'd like to touch into some of that because i think mm. there's just an energy when you're with other men um in with an intention in the right space there's mm. i have chills on my body right now there's just there's power in it there's power in it baby mm. And I want to touch on that because it's something that I think we we don't have. And I want to quickly share my my rite of passage that I experienced going from middle school to high school. So there's a freshie, what's called a freshie party. Where the yeah. Can you tell me what ages they are? Because we call them something different in England. What do you guys call them? Well, well we, we don't say high school, middle school. So just what ages were you? So I've got a bit of context. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I was, I was, it was 15 to 18 is the last, okay. is high school. Yeah. Okay. So it's right, right at that nice, nice prime age. Um, a bit of a late boomer, boomer in puberty. So kind of just coming into my own like puberty wise as well. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could, you know, grow the mu little mustache like I do now. But anyways, so my, my initiation was basically I'm walking home from the party and these four guys are like, hey, like come, come down here by the lake. And I knew like, okay, they're going to do something to me. You know, like, these, are, these are the guys that are like 18 and I'm 15. It was me and my friend. And what they ended up doing was paddling me. So they had a big skateboard. They put me against the fence. And I had like my butt stick out and they came and took a full and um, all four of them did. And luckily I was a little bit drunk, so I didn't fully feel the pain. I think it was, but I was like, I was bruised for two weeks on my ass and like my lower thigh. And that, that to me, in a way it kind of felt good. Actually, I, I should start with that because in a way I felt there was some rite of passage happening unconsciously. I was unaware it when I was 15 years old, but it almost felt good in a way because I didn't have that growing up with my father. Mm. And so in, in some ways it kind of felt good to feel kind of accepted by these older masculine mm. figures. Mm. In other ways, I was like, well, this is, this fucking hurts. Fuck you. I don't like this. So there, there, there was both. Mm. Um, and so that was, that was my experience. And I never did that to the 15 year olds when I got there. Cause at that point I was like, that's just ridiculous. I, I don't like that at all. Yeah. So that was my experience. And I would say relatively it was not good compared to like a proper ceremony and experience in nature, like you're talking about or something. Let's talk about now the, the power of brotherhood and changing our relationship with the masculine because there's many men that, like me, had, had a, have a craving that or a, a, a missing piece that wasn't filled. 
And what I love that um, Robert Bly says, he's like, if you're not being admired by an older man, you're wounded. Mm. So let's talk about that mm. a bit. Well, thank you, first of all, for sharing that um, experience, that memory. Um, it's really interesting, right, isn't it, when we look back on it and be like, oh, well, actually, I kind of accepted and maybe even enjoyed it because, like you say, it's like, yeah, I'm one of them. Yes. Um, however, for me, that is all born out of wounding other brothers mm -hmm. who are hurting, right, and they're passing that down, a bit like this ancestral trauma um, that gets passed down through generations. Um, whereas what we do with Brotherhood with Sacred Sons, my brothers, my international brothers from America to now Australia to Africa, uh, all over Europe, we've been activating this first half of the year, um, is what we say, iron sharpens iron, man sharpens man. So when you can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the bro, outside of competition, outside of um, comparison, purely from the heart, compassion, cooperation, right? Building that community, um, it doesn't feel like out there in the world with the rat race, bros are trying to pull each other down to climb to the top. What we're doing is holding and lifting one another up. Yeah. Um, and that's all born through like going into this work, being able to touch your edges, being able to meet your fears, being able to cross the threshold, being witnessed by the container right mm. the power of observation is so like it's in our atoms right you know you think about those quantum experiments and so to be witnessed to be seen in that way builds trust builds resonance and allows brothers to truly like sync up so that we can again support collaborate uh, communicate clearly with honesty right be of integrity be whole because we're a unit um, and start building a brighter uh, future. Yeah, I love that. Tell, tell me a little bit about that that brighter future. What do you see? Mm. What's possible? I can speak for myself. I've had this vision for about 10 or so years of being a grandfather uh, yeah. with grandkids, um, standing on a mountaintop looking at this community that we've co-created. Um, and that's yeah. all about, like I said, all these principles. You know, my values are family. My values are friendship. My value are uh, honesty, of integrity. Um, and so to build, and truth, actually, I should say truth. We're stepping into the era, uh, the era of truth. And yeah. so say it, my elder um, Carbo shared that this past weekend. Um, so yes, that's how I view this brighter future of the land, working with the land, being stewards, uh, but also sovereign, right? Accountable for ourselves. Um, no leaky, messy energy, no more toxic this or that, just leveling the playing field, potentially even dismantling systems that have kept us at a low vibration. Like I said, that tuning for it's time for to clear out the, the gunk, the junk, and be the channels that we were born to be. Aho, brother. <laughs> ah, when? Ah, when? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, this has been a beautiful time, dude. Um, mm. I'll uh, I'll finish off with with a uh, last question here. We can wrap up pretty soon. Mm. Um, what do you feel? What do you feel? You have within you that's unique, and that the world needs. Mm. 
It's a good question. Um, one that I've maybe never asked myself, actually. Um, yes. To saying that, I can feel like this this energy kind of coming from my back over my shoulders down my arms. Um, and the reason why I feel, I feel like it could be a challenging question to answer because I am a human being. And the way I describe a human being is like the human aspect is the identity, right? That's yeah. the ego, that's <laughs> the, the hair, clothes, the swag. Um, and the being is spirit. Being is timeless, spaceless. As Muji Baba says, the isness. Just the mm, that still silence that just is and is of all and nothing. So what's unique within me is that I am but a light ray shooting through that prism of human experience, see that lens. Um, mm. And I have my ways. I have those gifts that the ancestors have um, presented throughout eons of suffering and struggle to, to birth this new earth of the old ways before um, ego and, and, and greed and power control uh, got in the way. It's Kali Yuga. Um, so my unique gift is that I am a expression, a divine spark um, in its unique form that will only exist in this moment and yet it's of that eternal flame our oldest living ancestor the fire on this planet that came from the stars our ancestors the star beings right star seed um and so that gift and the way that i've been through mentorship been able to like summit into a concept a human symbol is i'm a home walker um i'm just walking one another home back to the truth of themselves and their authentic expression yes thank you for that and i'm um, certainly needed in the world i think we can agree on that uh, my reflections from you today has been just a beauty you, you you seem like you have a beautiful expression the way that you channel your words the way the sounds that you make the energy that you bring the <laughs> playfulness the excitement <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly that is what i'm talking about and it's it's um it's beautiful and um i want to just really acknowledge you for that and honor you for that because in my world that i live in i respect that it's unique it's powerful it's inspiring you are certainly being a light for many men i'm sure and many men to come so thank you very much for for being yourself because um it's genuinely inspired me i'm not just saying that to you know, um, jack you up. I'm I'm saying, uh, it, really, it's been meaningful to to get to witness you, and um, it's inspired me to be more free in my expression, to connect to my body even more into my sound. So, um, it's been great to have you on the show today. Is there is there any um last message you'd like to share with the audience? Mm, well, first prayers up. Um, Kale, one of the leaders, one of uh, my mentors. Um, I'm actually doing his online spiritual ecology course at the moment for those who are interested in tapping more into the ways of the people, the origination. Yes. Um, yes. K-A-L-E, spiritual ecology. Uh, 
So his his is very much like send it up. Any of these praises, any of this being witnessed and being celebrated, it's not this body. It is just that channel. It goes back up to the ancestors, um, for they were the ones who are here first, and they're the ones who will continue um, just through us, through our seats. Um, the final message is, yeah, love yourself. You know, it's so important in this day and age to stay true to you, however that looks. And so um, I always say, look, words, worlds, worth. Be cautious of your words. If you're being critical of yourself, if you're putting yourself down, if you're criticizing and judging others, take note of that journal. Make a, a little um, tally every time you say something nasty in your mind, right? And that will then start to reform into the world that you live around. If you start to use uh, the affirmations, the, the 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 light side of the moon to express your being, I, I am love, I am light, I am sociable, I am a friend, I am a father, a good father, right then you will start to mm. notice your world shifting around you and that then will convert into your worth your self-worth yeah. what it means to be this and how valuable your time your energy your presence is and you will value you because others value you just as much boom boom take a sip of that and take that one home guys that was that was dope yeah <laughs> kiss. um thank you brother yeah just thank you first Huge pleasure, dude. Huge pleasure. Men's work coach on Instagram. He's got his one-on-one -on -one offer offerings on there, other stuff. You can learn about him. He's dope. Check him out for yourself. And uh, until next time, my friends, live a life that's true to you. Thank you. <laughs>